Hello, and welcome once again to the Blue Ball Skeptics. I know I'm going to get complaints about the intro music again. And again, I, I just don't know what to tell you. I, I haven't come up with something good yet. No, actually, no, screw that. I like this song. I like 8-Bit Dubstep, and I don't like you if you don't like it. Uh, the song name is Skeptic. It's on the album Cheap Shot by the artist James York, a.k.a. Yorkie, a.k.a. Cheap Shot. And it's available here under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 3.0. Uh, and if you want to download this song, then you're one of the brave few who can really enjoy chip music. And you can find it at freemusicarchive.org. So, enjoy. Now with those preliminaries out of the way, I would like to introduce our guests for today. Matt and Sharon Madison. I'm going to use your real names today instead of your skeptical atheist handles. Uh, I, I see you guys around around the, the skeptical world all all the time, and I assume that you've been in a community for a long time. Well, you must not get out much. I, <laughs> I, don't, uh, yeah. I don't get out much. That's true. Yeah, well, I mean, Sharon, Sharon's been in it longer than I have, I guess. It, well, it depends on what you mean by being Be in it. In it. Well, that's a great question. How did you how did you start to get in it, and when would you say you you know? I mean, okay, look, I saw your names in the acknowledgments of two different books that I have on my shelf. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're you're in the mind of the market and the believing brain. Oh really? <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so I know you're deep in the movement. I, I, you can't I didn't, be denied. Didn't know, didn't know about that. I didn't know about mind of the market. No. And I've read those, and I've read both those books. And well, who reads I, through I the, acknowledgments, the acknowledgments? You know, who does that? <laughs> we're big supporters of uh, of Skeptic Society. I, I thought we were uh, the only one I knew about was uh, the Fairy Tales book, Kitty Rope. Right. Yeah, that one too. I see. I didn't find that one. Um, but yeah, now to get back to the question, uh, you know, I mean, Sharon was a subscriber to Skeptical Inquirer from. The '80s, right? Yeah, and, very early '80s. And I, um, and, and I, it only started in seventy seventy six or seventy seven. Right. So, so yeah. yeah, in fact, she has a she had a complete back catalog of all the skeptical inquirers back to when it was first called the Zetetic, up until recently. I mean, we we stopped subscribing recently, so. We really we should back up and give people a little bit of a history here. There's there's been a kind of convoluted uh, cladogram between skepticism and humanism, uh, CFI, CSI having those two different missions. I think I said those backwards. Um, and then on the other side, we've got um, like Skeptic Magazine and um, the other organizations that do skepticism, like the James Randi Educational Foundation. Right. Uh, so okay. Just if you could kind of thumbnail it real quick, which, what are the what are the major skeptic organizations in America right now? So, I think you named the three of them. Yes, yeah, Center for Inquiry, which well, which has the two ones, the skeptic secular human it used to be called Kodesh. Now I guess it's just CSH. Right. And then, of course, this, the CSI, which is the, the skeptical inquirer side of the house. Which used to be mm -hmm. called PSYCOP. Which used to be called PSYCOP. The right, for Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. Correct. Right, right. Um, then, they're, they're the oldest. 
That, in fact, Psychop was first. And that's right, what yes. that's the one Kurtz uh, and uh, and those guys started way back. Yeah, yeah, they started back, when... back in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, let's see. I don't remember the exact year. It was mid to late seventies, seventy six, seventy seven, something like that. To my nineteen eighties ears, that that acronym sounds like something out of the Cold War. Like the KGB is running the committee. <laughs> right. Yeah, it it did. It it did. Then they shortened it. Then they changed it again. The original magazine, when they first started publishing what was what is now Skeptical Inquirer, it was called the Zetetic. I like that name. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I, I that that was the other thing that bothered me about Kurtz is I, I had subscriptions running to those both the Skeptical Inquirer and Free Inquiry. Um, I owned every back issue because there weren't that many. Because when I first started subscribing, it wasn't that long after they yeah. they'd started. The impression I got from Kurtz was that he wanted this very high-minded, very exclusive little academic club. And Sharon Madison wouldn't be welcome because Sharon Madison is not well-educated, has never taken a course in philosophy. Um, and Speaks of herself in the third person. Right, <laughs> right. So, and, 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 and so they would run, I, you know, I was getting the magazines. I would know about the conferences they were holding, and, and they were in Buffalo, New York. I actually lived in the state of New York, and I grew up 40 minutes from Buffalo. And I didn't go because I didn't think I'd feel welcome. And then I actually read in Free Inquirer magazine how they were holding one of these conferences and a radio show had called in and they wanted to talk about what was going on at the conference. And, you know, and that's great, right? We're supposed to be, you know, trying to reach out to the public. And the person who was speaking at the time basically blew this person off as an imbecile, essentially. Well, who are you? And I'm not going to talk to you. And blah, blah, blah. It definitely had an elitist sort of air right. to it in right. those days. Well, I'm not sure that really they really ever got over that. So, I mean, I, I appreciated what, what they were trying to do because I appreciate trying to promote skepticism, but I didn't wasn't fully on board with the way they were going about it. So yeah. I I continued to support them for years and years and years with magazine subscription and we had a I had and then together we had a basic family membership. Um but we never handed them As, the kind an associate membership. Oh right, sorry, you, associate you, you weren't that that was another aspect that you did Ordinary people didn't become members of, right. the, of the of the council or the committee. They were just associate, associate members. Oh, right. It wasn't a membership organization. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it that's right. Wasn't. Right. So. But, right, because because we had to keep people, you know, this. It was, you know, we they were dispensing wisdom from on high. You see. Yes. Um, Actually, on the J reform, after somebody read the editorial that you wrote the letter about. Mm-hmm. Somebody on the JRF forum started a thread asking if they thought, if people thought Paul Kurtz was a wowser. <laughs> Which, <clears throat> yes, 
<laughs> he, he was. <laughs> yes, which we had to look up because it's an Australian term. Yes. Yeah, can you explain? <laughs> uh, connotation of moral superiority, right? Yes. You know, and a wowser. Huh. Oh, we only want social evils remedied. Yes. That right. kind of I mean, wowser. He, he didn't want, you know, to to <laughs> prove that you were a full... The reason why Matt wrote a letter is to prove that you're a fully developed intellect. You have to listen to the right kind of music, you have to watch the right TV, you can't be excessively drink or smoke, you shouldn't be getting divorced. Or gamble. Or gamble, right? I forgot the gambling. It, yeah. It was... It, 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 yeah, you likened it to Pat Robertson in your letter, and that's... I'm sure that did not so, please him. Yeah. would it be correct to claim that James Randi is like... Well, screw all that. I'm going to start my own skeptic movement with hookers and blackjack. <laughs> right. Well, so, right. Well, well, I mean, Randy is in the in show business, so. Right, but they, there was a huge falling out between Randy. Randy used to um, always have an article in Skeptical Inquirer, and that's what had piqued my curiosity. When, the first issue I ever bought. Uh, but there was a huge falling out when the Yuri Geller lawsuit came up. Um, because Yuri Geller not only sued Randy, but also sued um, CFI. And the approach CFI decided to take was to basically just back away from it and not support Randy. Well, yeah, so Randy, yeah, so Randy kind of was left on his own. Right. Uh, to, to battle the... Uri Geller lawsuits right. in all 50 states. Right. And then, uh, some years later, in the 90s, I yes. guess is when he started the JRAF. Right. Were those defamation lawsuits? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think, think so. so. There's so much history to the movement, and, uh, you know, Chaz and I, we're pretty, we're pretty new to skepticism. Right. Uh, it's not that we haven't always valued critical thinking, but we're new to movement skepticism. We got into it from the atheist side. We, um... We're very active in the in the local atheist group here, um, but that's just you know doing skepticism on one very narrow topic. Like, is there a big invisible man in the sky you can pray to, and he'll you know do good things for you and send your enemies to hell or whatever? Yeah, I mean, in the history of of the parallel but but related, I guess movements, if you want to call them that, that there's always been a, a tension between the for some reason, between the skeptics and the and the atheists, um, I think there, I've got my own I've got my own theories about why that's the case. But uh, but yeah, the uh, the the tension between the two camps has always been there, and has been even vitriolic at times, even yes. back in the old oh, yeah. days. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that. At some extent, it's like, hey, why aren't your priorities my priorities? Yeah, right. exactly. Like, well, just let people do what they. You know, there's there's so much ignorance out there. Let everyone dispel a little corner of it. I don't see I don't see the need to get everyone on the same page as far as what they prioritize. I I think for me, I would be happier if I felt. I I think I'm a bit happier with the divide because I I, I would be happier if I felt that people were more concerned about having making sure that their the views that they hold have been informed through, you know, skepticism, which is a methodology, not a conclusion. And what I think we've seriously confused what skepticism is by focusing on conclusions 
rather than emphasizing that the conclusions aren't as important as the methodology you've used to get there. And as a result, because atheism is what requires much more um, political activism in terms of maintaining a secular, you know, country. Um, I think people have gotten confused about what skepticism actually is, and this is why we've seen the skeptic community lots of cries for politicizing skepticism, and and we're seeing the attempts to sort of do the skeptic activism the way they approach the atheist activism, which is you know let's write petitions to make Walmart not sell homeopathic medications and this kind of thing. And what you want is to try and educate people so that they just don't sell. You know, you want, we should be promoting that methodology so that, you know... It's a lot harder, though. I mean... It is a lot harder. And you're not going to get any short-term wins by... No. Or or large-scale wins by, uh, by getting people to... I mean, because that would be the real solution, right? All of the woo that the that the skeptics battle, whether it's whether it's Bigfoot, or whether it's uh, quack alternative medicines, or um, or anything that that appears on the on typical skeptical agendas, um, wouldn't it wouldn't be a problem if um, if people in general were better at critical thinking and we're basing their uh, basing their actions and their decisions on on the best information they had available it wouldn't be as large a problem anyway Uh, oh yeah do you think these attempts to like um censor not censor but um like the actions were taken against dr oz you know these petitions and the congressional hearings uh asking him to be more professional. Do you think that's um, a bit paternalistic? Would you wish that we would just teach people to ignore him? Or, or well, do you think this is important to do? I think so. It, well, like with any of this stuff, um, it, just, to, just to take an example, um, back when Randy was on the Carson show um, and, and exposing Peter Popoff, who was a, a faith healer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it actually had a video, I think. And yeah, a, a, audio. Audio of, of, that's right, audio of Popoff getting getting the messages from his wife that she was reading yeah. the cards and, mm-hmm. and he, over the over the air through a, a little radio receiver um, and exposed him for the fraud that he was. The the switchboard at uh, at NBC lit up with people wanting to... to uh, not to with uh, with angry calls about Peter Popoff. They wanted to they wanted to see Peter Popoff. They wanted to know who the, you know. They wanted to get more information about where they could find the guy. It, <laughs> so so the danger in making a public display of someone who's known to be a quack is it raises awareness, but not necessarily in the way that you intend. <laughs> um, it can actually make things worse. Well, if you know if people are inclined to believe in faith healing, and you know, and we are as a species inclined to believe in faith healing, every culture has this problem. Yeah. Then you put a faith healer on stage, and some fraction of the people are going to be like, "Ooh, I want, I want in on that." Right. 
showing them that they're a fraud doesn't it just doesn't sink in it's you know everybody has to a certain degree a level of motivated reasoning right they've got predetermined beliefs that they hold um, and they only see the stuff that supports those beliefs getting people to to change that and challenge themselves is the the real challenge I think uh, in skepticism and it's a hard one that is not going to get solved anytime soon. Wow. So, but to get back to your question, Chase, about uh, about exposing Dr. Oz, I being paternalistic. I personally, um, I think it, it it depends is the answer. Um, I think there are some people that are really well-meaning and and you know want to expose this guy for the for the quack that he is. Right. Um, but I do see an element, and I think Sharon would agree with this, of this kind of smug superiority uh, amongst uh, amongst uh, you know folks in the community. You know, we 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 know, and we need to protect the little people who are who are either too stupid or you know can't help themselves. And I, I personally, I think that's bullshit. Um, and it and reeks more of um, reeks more of politics than uh, than genuine skepticism. It's also about time that skeptics realize that for a lot of these people like Dr. Oz, the reason why we have to fight against them is because they are so good at at appearing to be caring. You know, individuals who are, you know, providing, you know, the, the general public with important information they need to make their lives better. And their, their persona is charming, caring, right. and for, to, to be, we have been given arguments numerous times from skeptics when I suggest that skeptics, you know, behave like decent human beings and if they're claiming that they care about people, which is why they're involved in skepticism, they actually act that way. I'm being told, what do I know? You know, I'm not a true skeptic. And the confrontational approach is the best approach and whatever. And I'm dismissed. And I have grew up with religion. You know, very religious environment. And I saw these oily people at work and they are good at it. They are really good at at convincing people they are the <clears throat> nicest person and the most caring person, and really they're just trying to get your wallet open. But if we we don't face that reality, we're never going to win this war. If we're just going to come off as uh, you know smug and superior and and just willing to take easy pot shots at you know s- snarky comments at people that we don't approve of we we're not going to win we're not going to win this i thought that was the point of having magicians i mean people love magicians actually and they're fun love magicians. they're fun <laughs> i'm sorry they don't i mean <laughs> well, well, have we tried clowns <laughs> i mean some people think yeah we have. I, I, to a certain degree, I mean, magicians are part of the entertainment industry, and so, um, and that's always a good connection to have, right? Right. Um, but I think the the real reason magicians got um, 
are involved with skepticism is because they do, I mean, their job is to fool people, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's what Randy did with Project Alpha, right? Right, was uh, fooled a bunch of scientists into, into thinking a couple of kids actually had uh, special powers. Um, because even scientists can fool themselves. And that's a good that's a good point to make. And and magicians right. are very good at uh, fooling people, and that's a that's a good lesson to learn. Um, but yes, there's also the entertainment connection, which uh, and that's actually helped. why I think Randy was quite a good spokesperson for skepticism. He's not concerned himself about who he's entertaining, and you know he's perfectly happy to have a huge crowd, and it's not just the skeptics he went on the cruise with he'll and you know he's he likes to meet people and chat them up and do tricks for them and he's incredibly likable on a personal level incredibly likable and i mean even my father loved him when he exposed pop off and my father was you know really super religious and thought you should oh pray to heal all your your ills because they were just punishment from god but he liked him exposing Papa. I mean, wow, right? But I don't see that a lot of the magicians are Randy. Um, well, I think I think we need we need the magicians. Um, yes, and and we need the 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 comics who who cultivate an attitude of uh, sort of let's not uh, let's not trust people. Let's you know sort of. Uh, c comics or comedy, they, they they cultivate an attitude of let's analyze what people are saying. Mm -hmm. Steve Hill could t could tell you what I'm, what I'm saying, uh, <laughs> or Emory Emory could tell you why why comedy is is important for being subversive to um to authority. Right, but I think we've got a whole lot of s skeptics that aren't as good as comedy as they think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a lot of his humor, can be self-deprecating if you include yourself in the jokes that you're cracking, people are more willing to take it because, you know, it's he's not just pointing a finger at someone else and saying, oh, aren't they, dumb? Aren't they dumb? Let's laugh at them. We he got... does some of that, but then he'll, he'll switch over and start talking about some stupid thing he did. When you're willing to laugh at yourself and include yourself, people are more accepting of that. If you're always just directing it at others you come off like basically smug and superior people aren't finding it funny i i do come off as smug and superior as anyone in the slime pit can tell you <laughs> <laughs> but i i work on that i cultivate that uh -huh. well, i members <laughs> but i think we do we do need all kinds you know we need we need the magicians who know how to fool people we need the the comedians who cultivate an attitude of uh questioning authority uh, i agree and we, and we need all these different kinds of people to make the skeptic movement work. I agree. The problem is is that, that there are a whole lot of people out there trying to be those people, and they're not those people. That's a lack of, a, a lack of, aware, of awareness, a lack of introspection. So we, we have to accept that, yes, we need these people, but most of us are not these people. And yeah. for, for those of us that aren't, it's our responsibility to do what we can with what we've actually got right right exactly <laughs> realize what we've got and accept the fact that we're just not all that clever and so we shouldn't be treating other people like dirt which is which is why i mean we don't i mean we're not out there trying to do ghost hunting or 
or investigate Bigfoot or or whatever. You know, we're we're not we're not skeptical activists no. ourselves. Armchair uh, skeptic, you're the armchair. Skeptic. I, I'm an armchair skeptic, right? <laughs> and um, and that's you know, a I think that should be okay. I think I think we should actually encourage more armchair skeptics, people who actually apply skepticism in their you know everyday lives. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, particularly to themselves, um, rather than looking down our noses at right. them. It, but B, it's because we do know. I mean, we we do know our limitations, um, whether it's time, experience, um, or interest, or even interest. Um, there's you know everybody's got their thing, and we do what we can with what we've got. All I aspire to is a shitty podcast and a shitty blog. I'm not going to... You you're doing great at that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get too big for my precious. Well, we'll, we'll be there to, to help you with that. Oh, excellent. <laughs> you kind of keep, keep, me, keep me grounded. The one thing that we did attempt is we were getting concerned... Um, because we've watched this for years. I mean, years and years. We were getting concerned about the calls for movements and activism. And we actually, there was a panel on one of the J. Ruff Cruises we went on, and you actually asked those questions of the panel. And that's when you yeah. got called an armchair skeptic. That's which right. is why you picked up the name. By, by someone who shot You got called that? Was. Right. <laughs> Someone who who shall be, remain nameless. Yes. Uh, and and, and I'm not gonna. I'm... <laughs> but we were concerned because when you start making calls for activism and movements, um, that tends to set up this hierarchy: leaders and followers and. People basically will just take your marching orders and and not think it through. Well, it's because you think of act, when when you hear of movement or activism, you think of it in terms of, I mean, traditionally anyway, it's it's always in a political context or a or right. a you know a societal context. Mm-hmm. So, so you have political activists mostly. Um, or people with a, a social cause they're trying to promote, and um, and politics is very different from skepticism. If you hadn't noticed, um, the whole goal in politics is to get as many people to to either follow you or support your cause, um, because that's how you win in politics. It's a popularity contest more than anything else, um, and that kind of flies in the face of of some of the principles behind skepticism where you're supposed to be looking at facts um, and uh, evidence and there's supposed to be some honesty in that and in politics honesty isn't necessarily a a valued commodity (laughs) it doesn't really matter how you get there as long as you get as many people to support your cause as possible so I mean that was the that, that was one of the concerns I raised and that was what Back in two thousand seven, yes. when we first heard about this push for activism and movements, I was very uncomfortable with the whole concept. Well, what kind of uh, activism like would you, in particular, find um, unhelpful? Like, just to give an example, 
there were those big 1023 events where everyone got together and overdosed on homeopathic medicine. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a great way to raise consciousness, to be like, hey, look at us. We're doing something silly and stupid. And it made the point because everyone had to ask, how could they swallow a whole bottle of pills and not die? Well, there's nothing in the pills. And so it, it raised consciousness as to what homeopathy is and what it does. Well, some were done, and that's the kicker. Oh, A, they didn't really... I don't know who came up with it. That's fine. Everybody decided to join on in with, oh, this is great. Let's everybody do it. And that's, you know, whatever. And and some people very did it very well, like that guy that was on that research ship in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Um, his was fabulous. He had a doctor standing by with uh, <laughs> heart monitor. I mean, he was, it was funny. He was, it was really well done. Um, it really did a good job of making the point. But a lot of people went out there and did it. And if you look at the videos, they're talking as much crap as they're trying to fight against. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, we didn't object to 1023 in principle. Right. Um, but, yeah, when it, when it did go that one year, when they did do it worldwide and all those videos were submitted, there were a lot of really bad ones. Um, yes. That were... That were just as lacking in fact as homeopathy itself you know wow and and that's not good i mean right it's the same when when elise got called on her her um vaccination thing she, she the, when they first started this she was handing out pamphlets or whatever saying that vaccines were 100 percent safe mm. that's <laughs> garbage yeah that's, they are yeah. not i mean there are admittedly very you know, risks they're minimal risks people should definitely yeah. get vaccinated because the risks really are minimal but you don't tell people they're 100 percent safe it's and kind of like dumbing it down so that no one can object to it right <laughs> right Look, she's just rounding up 99.7. <laughs> right. And, and this is why we have concerns, because you, you oh, yes, we have to do this, we have to do this, and people are saying, oh, you, you must do this, and okay, yes, I, that's great, I'll go do this. And what we've lacked is the introspection in skeptics to say, well, yeah, you know, this is probably a good idea, but not something I should be doing, because this is not my fork. Yeah, I mean, then that's why I mean that's why we support people who actually do do good work, right? And are out there doing the stuff that we, can, you know, there's no way we could do, and need our support. And we think other skeptics could easily follow, you know, could easily do that as well, if, uh, if they could spare a couple of bucks here or there, and actually support folks that are that are um, educating the public or um, actually doing the research and the investigations there's there's plenty of slog work that happens in 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 skepticism that people like joe nickel have been doing for years um and it's not a it's not work that would interest me um but it's certainly work that's um that's worth doing i think um and so we've we've supported organizations or individuals that uh um, that have been doing that kind of stuff, um, but what the this 
we can all be activists and and we can all get in uh, get in on and make videos or write blog posts yeah, i'm not trying to not trying to say that people shouldn't express their opinion about stuff i don't have a problem with that i mean that's everybody's entitled to their opinion um it's all uh, their opinions are also we're also entitled as skeptics to subject that opinion to to skeptical scrutiny and um you know and a lot of the stuff that we've seen it's it's by people who to use the term that Jamie and Swiss used in one of his articles they're, and they're going about it half smart they know, <laughs> they know enough to be dangerous but when you're actually writing about topics and you're trying to educate people on topics you really there's a there's a level of expertise that I think you 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 kind of have to get to before before you open your big mouth <laughs> so you're saying we like we should know our limits and I think that is part of skepticism so that you're not talking out of your ass you know exactly i i should probably tell you that shortly after i married matt and he had to go to all these meetings for work it would drive him nuts um because he'd be listening to people talk out their ass uh he he said he came home and said i wish people would think more and talk less and for all of these years since we've been married for 22, I have threatened to make him a t-shirt that says, think more, talk less, and demand that he wear it to work on a meeting, on a meeting <laughs> day. It's meeting day. I've got meetings almost all day. <laughs> yeah, I would like that too. The IBM guys, they used to have these little um, plaques on their desks, mm-hmm. these little marble plaques that just said, think. Yep. That's all it said. That was their that was their motto. I have a T-shirt with that on it that I picked up at the Computer History Museum. I have the marble plaque on on my desk from back when when I, my dad was IBM guy. So uh, nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so activism can be good. Uh, it um, it, but it can be, it it can get people half smart involved in the, in the process, saying things like like a hundred percent effective that just aren't aren't scientifically correct. Um, like, oh, to give another example of activism, Chaz and I went and protested uh, Jonathan Edward yep. when he came to town to do his little cold reading uh, thing that he does. Right. Or warm reading. I'm not sure how much background research he gets. <laughs> yeah. It, it went exceedingly well, uh, I would say. And, uh, and Caleb Black has a, he has a piece up, but I think it was uh, CSI's website about how, about how. Yeah, it I, think, I think you're right. And uh, yeah, so Chaz and Caleb and I were there. We're, we're protesting Jonathan Edward, and and Caleb is giving out uh, cold readings on the street to people just to show, like you know, I don't have magic powers. This is really easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought it was a good a good bit of yes. conscience raising. It got us a little news coverage. Um, yeah, he did to a, a news reporter, uh, a TV reporter, and he successfully uh, <laughs> cold read the death of her grandfather. It was pretty pretty cool, and I think she was. Uh, I think she. she it, was, it left an impact on her because she realized that if it was anybody else, she would have been solidly convinced that this person could tell exactly how her grandfather died. But since it was Caleb and he immediately said, no, 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 it's just, it's just probability, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, and that's- Caleb is obviously a very sharp guy very sharp guy and this is the kind of person you want you know at the forefront of activism um but matt and i shouldn't be out there trying to do it oh come on wouldn't be good at it yeah i get i mean what was your, what was your objective in, in doing the protest besides to get some press coverage was it uh, 
Were you actually trying to actively discourage people from going, or no? I mean, they no, already no, bought no. two hundred dollars tickets. We weren't going to yeah. stop them from going. Yeah. So uh, the idea is just to say, you know, hey, this guy's a huge fraud, and he's preying on the bereaved, and we find that so disgusting that we're going to stand out in the street. Yeah, and there's also <laughs> people going to like a hockey game and. They talked to us, and so it, it was more than just the people going to Jonathan Edwards, but people who knew that he was in town and were in the area. So, but really, the goal is the press bounce. The goal is to, to to get everyday people reading about, you know, what what does this guy do for a living? He pretends to talk to the dead, you know. And so, basically, we're trying to do what South Park did, but on a much you know more local scale. Yeah, the Australian skeptics um, quite a few years ago, I think went to uh, one of these shows, a psychic show, and they brought the, um, they were the ones that started that bingo card of oh. things that psychics will say. Is there somebody who's, you know, M, letter M, or, you know, <laughs> right. all, all of the, the typical catchphrases that psychics use to basically pick your brain for information without, you realizing they're picking your brain for information and that they're not really saying anything. You're the one doing all the talking. Right. And that was, that was, that's quite effective. Travis Roy, did you meet Travis Roy at TAM? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we know Travis. He picked that up to do with the, he, he runs the Granite State Skeptics group. Yeah. Um, and they have been quite successful there. They actually hand you a bingo card and a little pencil right, cause they when did, you're going into the show. Yeah, they did the John Edward yes. thing too, but then they used those bingo cards. Right. That is brilliant. Yes. So, and and what was, was good is when people would just pitch the bingo cards on the ground because they didn't want anything to do with it, they picked up the mess. You know, I think that's important. I mean, part of skepticism is to say... We want to do this. We want to. We're we're here because we care, right. and we care about everything that you know we're doing here, and we're not going to cause problems. Right on, right on. We're gonna take a break for like, and we're gonna come back with part two of this interview with Matt and Sharon Madison. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Yorkie, play us out. <laughs> 